Welcome to another edition of Making Money with the financial coach, Ron Hebert, retired portfolio manager. I'm Gord Whitehead, a retired broadcaster. We're trying to spread a little financial literacy, and we've tackled a a three-week project here, Ron, on inflation we've covered, deflation. Now we're going to talk about stagflation. And I guess, obviously, the root of that is stagnant. Would that be correct? Yeah, stagflation is when you are in an environment where you have higher inflation, but instead of the stimulus that's been going on pushing the economy to grow, uh, what happens is that it's accompanied by a period of, of no growth, high unemployment. So you have prices going up, but you have the economy in the tank, almost uh seems like what we have today, actually. Well, when you think about it, I mean, we have the highest unemployment in the G7 in Canada. We're at 9.4%. You know, interest rates are low. They're printing money at a furious rate. Yeah, I think that's probably where we are, isn't it? You'd think so. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and you certainly think so. So what is what is the what is the approach here? What are the what are the key signs to look for and what are the worries we should have about it? Well, the key signs are as we mentioned, the in, inflation is starting to rise and the economy stays in the tank. And, and typically during stagflation you have a period of time where you have central banks and politically misguided spending policies leading to a big increase in the amount of money that's out there, but it's generating very little growth in the real economy. And uh, like you say, Gord, that's sort of what we're seeing right now. And eventually, most savings get consumed by debt repayments, and there is very little capital left to feed the growth requirements of the economy as a whole. So if we have any increase in interest rates whatsoever, that would be very, very bad news because you'd hear this giant sucking sound as virtually all the available capital that's around, instead of being able to be refocused into businesses and spending money on on homes, for example, renovations and all the other things that people do, more of that money goes to pay off debt. And the higher that goes, the more the economy struggles. That's a disturbing thought. And and, and I think a very possible one. So what what do we do if we're an investor in times like this? This is uh, this might keep people awake at night. Well, it certainly keeps me awake at night trying to figure out what to do next. And so there's uh, there's four or five things you can do if you go into stagflation. The first one is to buy stocks with rising dividends in defensive sectors like food, utilities, and healthcare. So that you want to focus on the stuff that people need because uh, the demand for that will continue to be strong. You also want to own floating rate or short-term investment instruments because typically when you have stagflation, interest rates are rising, so you don't want to walk in. You want to keep your money earning a rate of return, and you want to keep rolling that money over until it looks like interest rates peak, and that's when you want to walk in. Now, if you take a look at stagflation, um, the stagflation period of the 70s, which was classic where you had stagnating economies and you had rising inflation, Stocks gained 16% in value over that decade, and inflation rose 103%. Holy smokes. So, <laughs> I remember I mean, it well. <laughs> yeah, it, it really didn't matter what you owned because inflation was so much higher than returns you were getting on any, virtually any asset other than maybe gold. 
Um, essentially, it, periods like this are very, very difficult, and you, you've got to be careful because inflation can very easily overwhelm any of the returns you get on your investments. So during the stagflation of the 70s, commodities like precious metals, energy, and maybe industrial commodities saw, saw gains that trumped inflation during that period and retained your purchasing power. So if we have a period of stagflation, the, certainly the things you want to look at and are commodities or anything, basically, if you dropped it on your toe, it would, it would make you go, ouch. Okay. <laughs> you know, so that's, that's certainly one classic definition. Now, real estate did well in the 70s, but it did well only in locations where the economies were heavily dependent on the production of physical commodities. So if uh, real estate in, in places where there were gold mines and there was high unemployment, that went up. Real estate went up in Alberta because oil and gas are inflation-driven investments, and inflation rises, and so does their price. And so during the 70s, when everybody else was seeing their real estate absolutely go in the tank, well, uh, real estate in any area where the bulk of their economic activity comes from commodities, that's where you want to put some money. Okay, so let's look at the various types of investments that we typically deal with, and, and what is our strategy around those? So this is the big picture again. So if you have fixed income or you have stocks or you have precious metals or commodities uh, or cash or real estate, which are generally your major your sectors, each one of them acts differently depending on whether you have inflation, <clears throat> deflation, stagflation. So as an overview, you want to know, well, you know, if you have deflation, for example, the thing to own is fixed income. And uh, because typically in deflation, interest rates are falling and you want to lock in during those particular times. If you have stocks, stocks like an economy that's growing and modest levels of inflation, you know, stocks like it when there's there's economic growth and inflation of two, three percent, you know, low inflation. Precious metals, well, this is where, this is the differentiator. Precious metals love high inflation, and they also love a falling U.S. dollar. And uh, they like a growing economy better than one in, that's in recession, but especially if you have rising inflation and a falling U.S. dollar. Commodities like copper, actually many of the metals have performed better than gold has, so copper, zinc, lead, um, agricultural commodities, um, construction commodities, often do very, very well during periods of high inflation. Cash, cash likes deflation. When your buying power increases and currency becomes more valuable, uh, just having money in cash is a good thing. Real estate, real estate likes a growing economy. It likes low interest rates and it likes modest inflation. But real estate in special circumstances also likes places where there's um, commodities are predominantly driving the economy. And if they're going up, real estate in those particular sectors is doing really well. Okay, so we've looked at the three areas, inflation, deflation, stagflation, and I know this is tough to bend down, Ron, but what, what is the strategy right now? As we sit here today, what's your thinking? What's the best approach? Well, as I said 
on our previous show, I think we're at a point where a number of tributaries are meeting. And so we're seeing backwaters and eddies and, and, and the currents flowing around and boiling it up in a, in kind of a circle and there's no clear direction because we are seeing inflation in financial commodities like, uh, stocks, bonds, but, um, you know, we are on the other side, we're seeing deflation affect thing, things like people's wages. People clearly haven't seen significant growth in their buying power since about 1980, which is almost 40 years. But governments are saying, well, we're going to put money directly in people's hands, and that's what they're doing. And if they do that, these people are going to spend money. So I think that we're going to be in a period of turmoil for a while. But eventually, and I, I know that in Japan, they've been printing money since 1989, and just now are they starting to see the economy starting to show some inflation. So it can take a while, and I can't really pin down because I just don't know when that will take place. But when it does, that's when you really want to start looking at the inflationary and certainly the stagflationary uh, recommendations in our three-part series here. And you want to start looking at uh, things that do well, like commodities, precious metals, and real estate. I mean, you look at the smart money right now. Guys like Bill Gates, behind the scenes, Gord, he's now the largest dirt farmer in the U.S. He's got more acres. I think he's, he uh, assembled a quarter million acres. So he's the largest farmer in the U.S. You look at Ted Turner, uh, Turner, the Turner Broadcasting Empire. He's got two million acres of ranch land, and uh, you know you get the the head of of Amazon, Jeff Bezos. He's accumulated four hundred thousand acres. These guys behind the scenes have been buying dirt and accumulating land. Also, they've been buying things that are harder assets. So the smarter money is starting to look at commodities, precious metals, and real estate and adding to those positions. And I think, you know, who knows exactly when it's going to come, but I think those are the kind of things the smart money has been doing, and it certainly means that we should all be paying attention because they see uh, with the, they have some of the smartest people in the industry working for them, they're starting to see signs that this is beginning to turn. And I, and I agree with that. Well, I mean, we're, we're going to keep eating, right? So if, you, if you've got farmland, people are going to grow food. If you've got ranch land, you're maybe raising meat on it, whatever the case might be. I, I, I can certainly see the logic behind that. But for Joe Schmo out there, that's the little guy, kind of a tough time right now, right, Ron? It's a tougher time. I mean, there are stocks that you can buy that have huge amounts of uh, real estate in them, especially farm real estate, and uh, give us a while and we'll, do a, we'll list a, a, a number of, of companies. That's all they do is they have, so look for that on, a, on an upcoming show, especially as we see inflation start to raise its head. Uh, on this show, we'll start focusing more on investments that people, the average Joe and the average Jane, can look at to start building positions. And of course, you can buy gold stocks, you can buy precious metals in bar form or ETFs, that's, that's all they own. 
So there's lots of ways to participate in this. And what we're going to be doing, Gord, is once we finish this series, the next series we have that is going to be coming up for our listeners is we're going to be doing an overview of the mining industry and the precious metals, base metals, other commodities that are mined like potash. And we'll be going through them one by one, looking for opportunities in these sectors, especially if uh, e-cars, these electric cars, take over. Demand for things like copper and lithium and cobalt are just going to take off. And if that happens, we could end up in what's called a super cycle. And a super cycle is where you get commodities not going up for a year or two, but going up for one to two decades. So we're going to talk about the possibilities of going into a super cycle. We're going to be looking at um, each sector of the mining industry and looking for opportunities there. So we're starting to turn our focus on things that if you drop will make your toenail turn black and eventually fall off. So these are the kind of investments that if we are moving toward an inflationary environment, uh, investors need to have avenues that they can participate. And so this show is geared for the small person. So we're going to be giving you lots of ideas to look at if we start seeing higher levels of inflation. But before we get there, I think we're going to talk about the art of not losing, aren't we? <laughs> yes. Actually, that is our next week's show, is the art of not losing money. And most people, their focus is on making as much as they can. But if you take a look at Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, some of the biggest players out there, they spend more time looking at how a particular investment the ways that they could lose money on that investment the, as they do looking at how they can make money on that investment. So it's really important to look at the downside, and we're going to be talking about how to make sure you don't lose money. And, and a lot of the material we have actually came from um, a lecture that Charlie Munger gave, I think, at the University of Southern California here just in December, and there were so many good points in there. I said, you know, this really makes a lot of sense. Why don't we just turn this into a show and talk to um, people about some of the salient points here? Because especially when you're in really markets have gone up a lot, everybody's focusing on the fact that they're going to continue rising forever and ever, and that doesn't happen. So you especially have to focus on what's the downside here when things get expensive. Okay, we're back next week with another edition of Making Money. If you have a question for us, we always remind you, you can reach us through our website, letsmakemoney.ca. You can also reach us through cfcw.com. You can hear past episodes of Making Money on uh, the CFCW website. You can also find it on Google Podcasts, on iTunes, and you can also find us on uh, Spotify. And uh, get up on your financial literacy. The Art of Not Losing is next in our sites. We'll be back to talk about that next week on behalf of the financial coach, Ron Hebert. I'm Gord Whitehead. Thanks for joining us. The information presented is derived from sources believed to be reliable. This material is presented for information purposes only and does not constitute investment advice. Before acting on any investment information, a person should seek advice from an investment professional. The presenters may or may not hold positions in the securities discussed on this show and will not be responsible for any losses sustained from acting on this information.